0: Hello, and welcome to episode five of season two of the Ride the Rails podcast. Today, I'm joined by Mark Smith, the man in C61, and we're chatting all things luxury trains. Hello, Mark.
1: Hello, Andy. Looking forward to a bit of luxury this podcast.
0: Indeed. And I think between the two of us, We've covered quite a few of the, well, been fortunate to travel on quite a few of the luxury trains around the world. Um, could, could you uh, just let me remind me which ones you've been on?
1: Oh, uh, in the UK, the Royal Scotsman and the Venice-Sanplot Orient Express, both the British Pullman train and the Continental train. And uh, over in Canada, uh, the uh, Rocky Mountaineer. Now, there are some, aren't there, around the world that sort of are hybrids. They cross over. Like the Canadian across Canada that's got luxury premium class, uh, as well as sleeper class, as well as economy seats. And then in Australia, well, I think that one, the Indian Pacific from Sydney to Perth has sort of crossed the line after it's dropped its economy seats. It It is now a luxury cruise train.
0: That's right. And is that the same? Is that applicable for the Ghana as well, traveling up to Darwin?
1: Yeah, the Ghana and Indian Pacific are the, the same company and pretty much the same type of accommodation. No more economy seats or holiday class sleepers. It is now all gold or platinum class luxury.
0: OK, so and from from, from my side, uh, I've not been on the Royal Scotsman, so I am very envious about that. Uh, I've been on the British Pullman To connect with the Orient Express. So I've been through to Venice on VSOE. Uh, In Spain, I had the pleasure of traveling on a train down in Andalusia called Al Andalut, which was fabulous. Uh, Also traveled on the Danube Express. Actually, I think, did you travel on the Danube, Mark? Oh, that's true. true. An
1: earlier incarnation of the Danube Express from Istanbul to Budapest via Transylvania, no
0: less. Wonderful. Uh, And that's now operated by uh, Golden Eagle, who also operate private trains in Russia, which, again, I've been fortunate to travel on, the Golden Eagle. I did Vladivostok to Moscow. And then another time I did Beijing to Moscow through the Stans. So it was a Chinese private train up to the border of Kazakhstan and then picked up the Russian luxury train. Uh, Mark, I think we've forgotten another one the blue train
1: oh of course yes south africa's blue train and that's that's another service that started life as a scheduled train uh the union limited that used to connect off the union castle ships when they came into cape town and carry all the passengers to uh Joburg. and now it's a pure luxury south african train with um uh, complimentary monte cristo cigars as i recall you were kind enough to bring me back a couple when you traveled on it <laughs>
0: Absolutely. Uh, I, I, know, I know how to treat you well, Mark. It's, um, oh, the Winston Churchill Champagne, which has completely slipped my mind. The name of the champagne.
1: It is the, it's the Paul Roger. Oh, Winston Paul Roger, Churchill. yes. And yes. Um, Winston Churchill.
0: The Monte Cristo cigars. So if anyone's Absolutely. looking to buy Mark a Christmas present, that, that was, those those will be high up <laughs> on the list. Um, in, also in Africa, um, I've travelled on Rovos and Shongololo uh, again we can go we'll go into those in a little bit of de- detail detail um, in Asia I've traveled on the eastern and oriental now I'd
1: forgotten that of course yep. yes that's another luxury train <laughs> Singapore to Bangkok
0: yeah uh, in India I've managed I've more or less got a full house I've not done the palace on wheels but I've done all the other various cruise trains in India and uh, and South America, I've had the pleasure of riding around Peru and Ecuador on the luxury trains there, private trains there. So got quite, quite, quite a broad range of experience between ourselves with these trains and a shout out to any luxury train operators. If we haven't been on your train, we can make ourselves available. I think that would be fair to say, Mark. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Okay, so um, perhaps we could start off in the UK just with with a quick overview from, from yourself on the Royal Scotsman, as I've not had the pleasure as yet.
1: Well, the Royal Scotsman, um, the thing that I remember is that it only carries about 30 odd passengers, but has 40 different types of whisky on board, so you can uh, you can do the maths there. It is a very exclusive train. Uh, the clientele, as you can probably guess, is uh, mostly from overseas, American, Australian, Canadian visitors. It's a very exclusive train. You sleep on the train, not when it's going along, but in your luxury stateroom when it's parked in some suitable siding somewhere in uh, the wilds of Scotland. And it does three or four day circuits of the the highlights of Scotland, the highlights of the Highlands, if you like. Uh, The food is absolutely excellent. I really like those uh, smoked kippers for breakfast. The wine and, of course, whiskey are all excellent. Uh, The train manager takes great pride in his uh, his cellar. and uh, one unusual feature of this train is it's got an open observation balcony at the rear, rather like one of those Wild West trains. And uh, going over any of the scenic routes uh, in Scotland, and indeed I've been over the fourth bridge standing in the wow. open air on this observation platform, that is is quite something.
0: Absolutely, no, that sounds wonderful. And um, am I right in thinking that they do visit whisky distilleries as a key part of the trip
1: that's right the, the train has uh, stopovers and uh, activities we visited the distillery at dalwini uh, one of my favorite whiskies um, and in fact we also had a stop uh, for uh, clay pigeon shooting the first time i've ever tried that that was great fun it was uh, uh, just right it was, it was possible to hit those things but uh, took a bit of skill so that was uh, a great introduction to clay pigeon <laughs> <shooting>.
0: <laughs> and was that pre or post whiskey drinking?
1: Fortunately, I think it was pre. Uh, <laughs> definitely, we can say that. So, so the the, um, the Royal Scotsman, of course, is run by Belmond. Um, the same people who operate the Venice Sampler, Orange Express, and the Eastern and Oriental Express uh, between Singapore and Bangkok. Um, they are definitely the professionals at the luxury travel experience.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and you mentioned the Venice Simplon. So obviously, you, ha- you have the London to Venice route. Uh, and when you're on the UK end of that, you ride in the British Pullman, which, which I have to say, of all the trains I've travelled on, that's, that's in my top five, because it just <laughs> reeks opulence, uh, going back in time. I, I just think it's wonderful, the Pullman.
1: Both the the trains, the British Pullman on this side of the channel and the European Continental wagon Lee set on the other side are absolutely superb. Vintage coaches from the 1920s and the 1930s. You really do get to experience uh, old-school travel in those. Um, The food's excellent, and the service is excellent too. It's It's not rarified or snooty. It's very friendly. Um, The British Pullman crew are especially great at serving you the smoked salmon and the... uh, Champagne as you head from London to Folkestone through
0: sunny Kent countryside. Indeed, and then just just I, I've always I've always thought that it's such a pity that they can't somehow tie in the Pullman with the Continental train by even, even just jumping on Eurostar through the tunnel. Because what, what happens, they you do go on a coach through, you drive around the streets of Folkestone and then go through the tunnel. And my little story about that part of the trip was in this rarefied atmosphere, even on board the coach is quite nice service and they're looking after you and the clientele is having a wonderful time. We were <laughs> driving through the streets of Folkestone three young lads as we drove past decided to pull moonies at the coach so that was a farewell to Britain <laughs> so oh, lovely yeah. <laughs> indeed um and Be- Belmond of course also have the Northern Bell which by it by its name um, tends to operate up in the north of England uh, it's more modern coaches but they've been refurbished in a classic way again one I've not traveled on uh, but heard very very good things, um, so they're they're often doing tours out of Manchester York, uh, occasionally they come come down to the south of England, and again that's that's another Belmont product, uh, and all, all, all these all these products. Um, Mark has information on his site, and I'll be putting information on my Andy B Travel site as well. But really, every, everything that's we're running through today, and it, it, if it's missing, I will add it on onto my site. Um, so once we've crossed over into Europe, and we've settled down into our comfortable cabin on the VSOE, what was your what was your experience? And I'll tell you my experience to see, see if we see if we have the same. So, same experience of it.
1: Well, well, just to outline the journey, you leave London Victoria Station uh, late morning on the British Pullman train to Folkestone. You're then driven through the channel tunnel on a a road coach as you explained then at calais with all the staff lined up to greet you you join the real mccoy the wagon Lee, the the 1920s sleeping cars restaurant car and uh, bar lounge car of the continental train so you settle into your compartment which has got a sofa and a wash basin the beds will be folded out and made up for you later in the evening um Note that there are the, the biggest surprise that people have is that there isn't an ensuite suite toilet and shower. Uh, but yes. they didn't have those in the 1920s. In the 1920s, you were lucky if your hotel room had hot and cold running water rather than just a, a basin and a jug of water. That's the era we're talking about. And most of these coaches are authentic 1929 sleepers. They've taken one sleeping car and created some uh, lovely, magnificent suites with ensuite shower and toilet and a double bed. But of course, they're not real. They're not authentic. Uh, they gutted a real sleeping car and knocked multiple compartments through to make these new suites. So, although they're lovely, I'd actually rather travel in the proper, authentic sleeping cars. And have, they gone, to have they gone?
0: Have they gone air-conditioned in the the refurbished? I don't,
1: ones. No, actually. I mean, that's the other thing. Of course, in the 1920s, they didn't have air conditioning, uh, at least not this side of the Atlantic. Um, so there is uh, there's ventilation. You can open a window. I know it's innovative, well, I know, but, but br- um, yeah, brilliant. so you get ready for lunch yep. and uh, not lunch, dinner, uh, which is served on the way into Paris. I think there's another sitting after Paris, so passengers joining there. Uh, you're, you can retire to the... Uh, lounge car where there's a piano and it's worth saying that the real Orient Express wouldn't have had a lounge car or piano or bar but it's very nice to have it on this train before retiring to your sleeper which has been set up by the attendant with some very comfortable soft bedding. I had a great night's sleep uh, in that uh, on that train and then you wake up in the Alps. Uh, It's taken various although it's called the Sampler Orient Express it's taken various different routes through the Alps over the years uh, and now doesn't use the Sampler. I think it still uses the Arlberg pass southbound and the gottard northbound or possibly the other way around but uh, you then arrive in venice early afternoon or mid-afternoon
0: and what a fabulous way to arrive into venice Going across Absolutely. the lagoon. Across, yeah, yeah.
1: across the causeway over the lagoon, yeah, right yeah. to the shores of the Grand Canal. In fact, it's one of the my favourite stations to walk out of because what a view greets you when you walk out of Venice, Santa Lucia.
0: Absolutely. And especially as you've been cosseted for the past 36 hours in luxury heading down into Venice. Um, what, what, what a lot of people do as well, they have uh, private boats meet them. So they'll get off the Orient Express. The luggage will be whisked to the pier in front of the station and then a water taxi would take them to the to the hotels so just a really seamless luxury experience.
1: Well I I took Master 61 to Venice uh, a few years ago and he insisted absolutely insisted that we did charter a water taxi to take us uh, against my better judgment having realized that you needed a second mortgage but I think it was about seventy quid, but I threw some money at it, and it was a fabulous experience through the canals of Venice and your own uh, your motorboat.
0: And also, a tip. And I know we are talking of trains, but a lot of people who do the Orient Express do do fly in one direction and train train the other. Arriving or departing from Venice from the airport, I highly recommend a water taxi. Again, it's not the cheapest, but it's such an amazing experience. I, I think going to Venice, that's one of the experiences that you must include. I'd forgo a gondola and have a water taxi across. Um, and of course, with, with the Orient Express as well, uh, it does cater to different price points. So if you're just wanting to get a taste of the Orient Express, you can just do the London Paris or the Paris London sector. I uh, certainly you could in the past. That's
1: you, ser- you certainly could they've actually stopped that now I oh. uh, actually had to query it with them it was which is a shame because there are people they still sell Paris to Venice yeah. so there yeah. are uh, there are empty compartments between Calais and Paris uh, and of course empty seats on the Pullman train but uh, they don't sell London Paris anymore
0: oh that's a shame because I I did do it uh, from actually from Paris to London and I know it was quite a civilized way to come across the channel it was definitely yeah. Um, also, also the, the, the train does do, once, once a year, it does its iconic Istanbul journey, uh, which is often booked out two or three years in advance. And then they do occasional other routes, say taking in Budapest, Prague. Uh, I'm not too sure what they're planning for this season or next season.
1: It's even reached Amsterdam this season, or is, in fact, it's just about to. Oh, but okay. uh, yeah, so London, Paris, Venice is its regular run, usually Thursdays from March to November. The fare starts at about two thousand six hundred and fifty quid per person for two sharing, uh, but it can go higher. Um, but it also runs, as you say, these these rail cruises, including that uh, once a year one, usually at the end of August, all the way into Istanbul. Although I think at the moment it won't get all the way because, of course, uh, Sikedji station is, is closed, probably gets to Halkali for a bus connection.
0: And I, and I will say that um, the sponsors of today's podcast, our friends at Tailor Made Rail, do offer the Orient Express uh, as part of a, an overall package, including accommodation and your travel to, to or from in the counter direction where you go on the Orient Express. And the, well well worth checking, TailormadeRail.com because the pricing they have is very interesting when you compare it to just buying the individual ticket for for the journey. So that's a tip, have a look at a tour operator as well if you're contemplating traveling on the Orient Express. Um, so yeah, and then fur- further south in Europe, uh, I've travelled on the Al-Andalus in Spain. So as in the name, it's one that travels around Andalusia. It is a train where you sleep on board, and um, it's it's in and out of Seville. It's a week's, week's trip, so six nights on the train, and again, what a wonderful experience. Takes you, It takes you to the classic places, Cordoba, Granada, but then it takes you to a lot of smaller towns around Andalusia. Uh, so the train will just pull up in a station, which normally probably has one or two trains a day. So it is a small off the beaten track place, but then in the town itself, it's kind of a historic kind of town center. Uh, also, it goes down to Cadiz, which I was thoroughly impressed with. I loved Cadiz. Uh, you also go to, to Flamenco, a Flamenco club, but a how can I put it, a boutique authentic one, not a mass tourist tourist place. That the group were the only non-spaniards in the venue, which was which was superb. Um, quite quite a small number of passengers on board, I think around about 50. Uh, Quite a lot of the meals are taken off the train and they pick formidable restaurants, absolutely brilliant food. Uh, some of them are, are local, so you get the local cuisine and then there's some fine dining. It, it's a real mix. Um, if there was one train I'd recommend in Europe, Mark, for you for you to try would be Al-Andalus. I, I think you would lap it up. It's brilliant. It
1: certainly sounds good.
0: Mm, really really good and and the one big advantage of that train is it's spanish and it's spanish on the broad gauge network so the train is big and mark what are you are you six foot two yep you'd easily fit in the bed (laughs) (laughs) which is which is often a challenge for taller people uh sometimes and up in the north of spain on the narrow gauge network they run a a series of luxury trains, the Transcantabrica and the Transcantabrica looks, is it called? Um, but of course that's narrow gauge and it can be quite tight on those trains. Uh that that one as well, the Transcantabrica, does have quite a lot of off train coach experiences. So it, that's more of a the 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 train is kind of the mode of transport, but then a lot of time is spent off the train and on coaches. Uh, haven't travelled on it. I've travelled on the complete routing on the regular trains. So very, very pleasant journey. Um, so, yeah, if trans is listening, uh, if you need any guinea pigs, uh, there's two here in the UK. And. <laughs> um, Just finally in Europe, we 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 both mentioned the Danube Express. Again, when I when I travelled on it, it was as the Danube Express. Um, Do you know Do you know the history of the original guy behind Danube Express, Mark? Yeah, yeah. So do do you want to share that? I
1: talked to him. Um, Well, he he decided to put together his own cruise train in conjunction with. um, Uh, Mav, Hungarian Railways. So they used the Mav nostalgia set with some very comfortable sleeping cars, uh, dining cars and lounge and put it into service on a couple of routes, including one from Istanbul through Bulgaria and Romania, uh, the Transylvanian part of Romania too, uh, to Budapest which was, I think, quite a popular route. But it, it's it's quite difficult to make one of these cruise trains operate. So, uh, yeah, yeah, which is why Golden Eagle took it over.
0: Yeah. So, so and, and the guy who I always used to think of it as a, the guy who founded it, um, his own personal train set. So he's a gentleman, one of the gentlemen who founded Great Rail Journeys back in the day. Uh, and then when he, he sold off great rail journeys he then invested in this tr- train which is just what a brilliant thing to be able to do so well, i was on board and howard was on board the train i was on and he, he was just so proud of it it was like his, his pride and joy uh, brilliant
1: it was a lovely journey absolutely first class good tour leader as well from yeah Mav.
0: and as i re- as i recall the kind of the newer refurbished coaches you didn't have the issue of bunk beds. That's, everything was at, at a low level. Some some of some of the different price points. Some of them have had bunk beds, but a lot of them had all the beds at lower level. Should I best description? Uh, some kind of in an L shape formation. Um, yeah, I
1: think we had two lower berths. I I have still got a page about the Danube Express on seat61.com which shows the journey that uh, that we did although it has changed slightly since being taken over by Golden Eagle.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so Mark, I think it's a good time just to take a quick break from a quick word from our sponsor, Tailor Made Rail. So I'll see you on the other side. Season 2 of Ride the Rails is sponsored by tailor-made rail, the train holiday specialist. They offer flight-free, independent holidays with the mission to simplify the complexities of rail travel to create sustainable and civilized holidays across the European continent. No itinerary is too intricate for them, thanks to their years of experience in the rail holiday business. Some of the most popular itineraries are in Switzerland, including the famous Glacier Express, and Jungfrau Mountain Railway. Travelling to Italy via the Alps is also another popular option. They feature longer haul rail adventures, such as London to Istanbul, travelling north to the Arctic Circle, south to Morocco and east to Russia. Not forgetting the UK holidays, an area that has seen significant levels of interest for 2021 travels. They have a high level of repeat customers thanks to their great service, clear layout of documentation, and reassuring in-trip support in the event of any hitches. They receive consistently excellent reviews on FIFO, the independent review site, where their average score is 4.8 out of 5, a testament to their customer-centric focus and product choices. TailormadeRail.com. <laughs> Welcome back to episode five of season two of the Ride the Rails podcast. Welcome back, Mark, and let's move on to Russia, I think. (laughs) Sharp intake of breath there. Uh, This this is where I believe, Mr. Smith, you may get jealous of my trans-Siberian and Silk, Silk Road experiences. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I have traveled on the schedule trains, but uh, none of those luxury trains that you dabble in, Mr. Brebin.
0: <laughs> so I, there, there are two, two luxury trains that operate in Russia, which are targeted to non-Russians. You've got the um, Golden Eagle and you also have a train called the Zarin Gold, which is very much aimed at the German speaking market. Uh, I've traveled on the Golden Eagle. The first time was Vladivostok to Moscow. Uh, as I say, the second time was Beijing to Moscow along the, the Silk Road. Um, I have to say, it is a great way to see Russia. It, in, in many ways, is the epitome of a, a, sea, a, a, a train cruise, very similar to a rail cruise. Very high levels of service, very comfortable compartments with ensuite bathrooms. So they have silver gold and they introduced a new one platinum which are sweets Uh, in the gold class the lower beds are a three-quarter bed so two people can sleep quite comfortably there in fact they are the carriages that russian railways use on a lot of trains to and from moscow when they sell the deluxe cabins Um, so they're very very comfortable food is great again service is good uh, you have two carriage attendants for each carriage who look after you, they're on call all the time, it's three o'clock in the morning, press a button, they'll bring you a cup of tea if you wish. Uh, the train travels overnight uh, to maximise time, but also because of the distances in Russia, you know, there are a couple of days where if you're at sea, There'd be this, there'd be a C day so you have a train day uh, people are, are sat there with lots of books around them kind of in the in the bar and in the dining car none of them are looking at the books that just you're just um obsessed by the scenery in Siberia In a in a way almost of the nothingness do you, do you see where I'm coming from with that mark it's just
1: yeah, like, rather like the Nullarbor Plain cr- when crossing Australia on the Indian Pacific, just, just looking at those endless birch trees in Siberia.
0: Mm.
1: Was this in summer or winter?
0: I, I did summer. Yeah, oh, okay. Summertime, yes, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I've, I've done a little bit of the Trans-Siberian in winter. Uh, I'd, I'd love to do the whole experience in winter and ideally on a luxury train, of course, <laughs> to enjoy the experience. Uh, but there's there's lots of great off train activities they do. They go to the village of the a village of old believers out in Siberia. Uh, do a fabulous stay on Lake Baikal where the train runs up the branch line along the along the lake, uh, stop off, have a barbecue on the lake. Uh, You can ride up in the cab or on the front of the locomotive going along the side of the lake. Uh, It really really is a a, not a train spot, what can I put it a, a train lover's delight. It really is superb. Uh, and then on the on the Silk Road, they use a Chinese luxury train from the Beijing ride right up to the Kazakhstan border beyond Urumqi. Um, I'd heard people giving mixed reports of what the Chinese train was like, because, <laughs> darling, it's not en suite <laughs> type scenario. Uh, but what they what they have um, they they do have a toilet kind of between the cabins uh, but they also have a shower car on the train I think it has about six shower compartments in it they provide you with kimonos in the cabin and you have to trot through the dining cars to get to the shower car so you'd be sad if you were up early you got had your shower got yourself sorted First sitting at breakfast. You were sat having your breakfast and your fellow travellers will be rolling through the dining car in the kimonos en route to the shower car, (laughs) which was just brilliant for bonding. A really good icebreaker, I can tell you that. (laughs) Um, And then once that one gets to the border with Kazakhstan, they pick up up the, the Russian train and it heads through Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan, then it goes down into Turkmenistan, uh, which is a fascinating experience, particularly Ashgabat, the capital, which is kind of Disneylandish, ish and it's just kitschness, it's just an experience to behold. Um, and then heads back into Kazakhstan, you stop off in Volgograd, see the big Mother Russia statue, and then head back to Moscow. Um, I would say it's Russia for softies, but not in a negative way. Uh, it's a great way to... I can see Mr. Smith smirking at that. <laughs> you're smirking at that comment.
1: Showers, I don't know. Showers on a Trans-Siberian <laughs> train, whatever
0: next. Uh, but it gives you a really good taste of what Russia has to offer travelling by train. If, if you're a bit, a bit worried about going individually, but I think... Because the trains stop in the major stations, you actually get to see people using the regular Russian trains and it's fine. Um, So I'd love to know how many people who've been on the Golden Eagle then go back and explore independently on different routes. Uh, Because clearly on that one, there's a bit of a tad of a price difference between the cost of the Golden Eagle and then the cost of a regular train. Uh, what's the Golden Eagle coming up? Maybe about twelve thousand pounds, I think, for
1: the- It's something like that, isn't it? It's it's something. It's certainly over ten thousand. Plays about five hundred quid, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Five hundred quid only gets you a bed in a four berth from Moscow to Beijing, for example.
0: Yeah, it's it, it, it's very much horses for courses. It's very it's very different experience. Um, yeah,
1: different market.
0: Yeah, the the the, the basically the. People I've encountered on all these luxury trains, it's been, a, the passengers are very well traveled. They have seen a lot of the world. A lot of them have done cruises. A lot of them have done more adventure cruises, going to Antarctica, going up to Svalbard. So they're cur- curious about the world, but enjoy a degree of comfort in traveling. Uh, and because every, everyone's pretty much of the same mindset, the, the, the groups tend to really, really gel. Uh, you, you have all nationalities. Um, all the trains we're talking about so far are, are primarily from passengers from the English speaking world. Uh, and then the international guests generally all speak English as well. Um, so, yeah, no, it's a, a, a fabulous experience. Uh, and then they, I mentioned the Zarin Gold, which is the Germanic version of the Golden Eagle. They, they have a slightly different product range. They do carry the four berth compartments. Uh, so for if, you look, if you're looking for the reassurance of a cruise train, uh, but don't have the Golden Eagle budget, the Zarin Gold is a nice compromise. So you get all your off-train excursions, your meals, uh, but you can, you can be in four bus, So and the price point reflects that. Uh, I'm going to say maybe around €3,000 as a leading price point. Um, so you can, you can see where it's pitched between, between the two. Uh, yeah, so I think we should leave Russia, Mark, and hop over to Africa. So you okay. you mentioned you'd been on the blue train.
1: Yeah, and that is one of the most fabulous Cruise trains I've been on and, as I said at the beginning, it started life as a scheduled service, the Union Limited, connecting with the liners from Blighty, taking passengers from uh, Cape Town to Joburg, and it still runs roughly once a week between um, Cape Town and joburg. It takes about twenty seven hours in fact, I think they have now changed it to a night a day and a night schedule, yes uh, yeah. rather than its traditional twenty seven hour day and night schedule, but uh, the train sets date from nineteen seventy two the windows, they tell us, are tinted with pure gold from the um, Randstad, the um, what's the area called? The area around uh, Joburg, the, the yep. gold area of South Africa. Okay. And uh, it is an absolutely fabulous, it's like a luxury hotel on rails. The food's included, um, complimentary Monte Cristo cigars, whatever you want. It's one of the both train sets used to have a lovely observation car at the back where there was a complete glass window facing back along the track where you could see where the train had just been uh, with some armchairs to sit and relax while you enjoyed that view Uh, I think one of them got damaged in an accident so only one of the two train sets has uh, that window now which is a great shame because it's a great place to sit and watch the line disappear behind you
0: very much a window on Africa
1: yes it also happens to be the only train where I've taken a bath there are there are two if i remember correctly there are two categories of regular compartment both of which have twin beds one has a shower and the other has an ensuite bath and i paid a little bit extra to get an ensuite bath it was quite an interesting experience you sort of expect the water to slop about a bit don't you sort of slop over the side when the train lurches in yep. fact it 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 didn't but yeah that's the only occasion i've taken a bath on a train
0: fantastic um No, you didn't take a video of that, did you, Mark?
1: No, no, I should have done, shouldn't I? Yeah, that would have been um, an interesting video.
0: Because I I have seen you taking (laughs) videos of you showering (laughs) on night, I think it was. But all
1: done in the best possible taste.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Well, you guys, it's the whole experience. Uh, So I, I, I had the the joy of traveling on the blue train as well uh and again when i did it it was a one kind of one night one day experience uh i think with with the two nights it's i think personally i think it's a positive it becomes more of an next an extended experience so it's a mini cruise train i don't know what, what you think of if that's what they're going for taking it to two nights
1: they obviously think the market is, is after a two-night, a longer experience. The key thing, of course, is which bits you do by day and which bits you pass at night. Uh, with all these trains, you want to try and get the timetable right so you pass the best bit uh, by um, by day.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, that's very, very true. Um, the now My number one luxury train in the world is RoVos. So the company was founded by a gentleman by the name of Roland Voss. Hence the name Rovos. Uh, it's based in, the trains based in Pretoria, but it's, um, it travels on the rails as far north as Dar es Salaam. Also, it goes into Namibia. And last year, no, the, the year before last, they did the inaugural from Dar es Salaam to Lobito on the coast in Angola passing through the democratic republic of congo that is the number one journey i'd like to do because i've never been to drc i've never been to angola and to do it by train wow what a way what a way to do it fortunately this year hasn't hasn't run or won't run because of covid restrictions so fingers crossed it will run next year Um, The, I'd say the premium trip that they do is the Dar es Salaam to Cape Town run. So going from Tanzania down through Zambia, Zimbabwe, Botswana, and down through to Cape Town. I think that takes just around two weeks. Uh, The accommodation on board is luxurious. The dining is to die for uh also has a really good cellar uh particularly pinotage wines so when I when I traveled I was 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 a guest of somebody and we challenged each other to sample the whole cellar before we got to well I was getting off in Road. we didn't even scratch it like with a glass of wine with lunch glass of wine with dinner i'm very restrained on these things i don't <laughs> it's just one glass maybe two at the most
1: it's, it sounds like my sort of challenge
0: yes yeah well you did the whiskey challenge i did the pinotage challenge
1: we didn't get very far with the whiskey challenge i have to say on the royal scotsman we we had a go we had a good go at it but
0: yeah uh... uh so so yeah Ro- rovers has a it does have an open air viewing platform at the back going through Africa, the the kind of the Africa bush, middle of the night, no lights anywhere. The, just kind of the views of the, kind of the heavens, all the stars, everything, (laughs) again, just magical. Uh, It's, it it really is the best in the world, in my opinion. Now, there was another, well, there is another train in Africa called the Shongololo, which again runs out of South Africa, does train cruises. Uh, It was independent, and I travelled on it in its previous guise. So if Rovos was a five star, six star experience, Shongololo was more of a three star experience, I should say, just in terms of. the the product uh, the pricing etc but they did they did do really interesting journeys and I believe they're still doing interesting journeys it's now been bought by Rovos and has been refurbished and had quite a bit of TLC on the carriages which if I'm honest it did need Uh, when I did it I I went to Swaziland by train so (laughs) I don't think many people can can say that. Uh, and then we went from Swaziland, we headed into Mozambique. So I, I just did a trip from Pretoria to Maputo. Uh, then the train was coming back from Mozambique and going on to Zimbabwe. In- really interesting how they do the trip. At the back of the train, they have some flat wagons. And on the flat wagons, they have minibuses. So we get to a, a destination. The minibuses are unloaded, and then they're used for the for the tours. Uh, and yeah, re- really interesting what the what what they do. So uh, how do
1: you get the how do you get a minibus off a flat wagon in the middle of uh, Africa? The, What's the, their technique?
0: Just just at at, sta- at stations, kind of the find. They
1: drive it off the side onto a platform. Yeah, 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 okay. yeah, yeah. That's an interesting technique.
0: Level access. <laughs> um, so I, I I highly rate all three products in in Africa: Blue Train, Rovos, and the Shong- Um uh, Heading across the Indian Ocean to India. Now this this is where I feel a rail cruise is a great way. And a great introduction to India, both as a country and to its railways. India can be a challenge when you travel on scheduled trains. I don't think you disagree with that, Mark, would you? Can be a challenge. It can challenge.
1: be, it can be, but it's it's part of the part of the experience for in my book.
0: Okay. So for the people who, who see it as a, as a challenge, to take a train cruise gives you the sights, sounds, smells, taste of India and of its, of its railways, because the train cruises have to stop in the regular stations. Well, on an Indian station, you see all of life, I, w- I would say. I, that's a fair description, I think, of that. For yeah. an Indian, station. Indian
1: stations are India.
0: Yeah. Yeah, precisely. Uh, so you you get you, you get a real taste of that, and you see the regular trains passing through, um, which again, and you can people do jump on board just to have a look what they're like, just to 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 test them, to get a little taste. Uh, but it, the train cruises are very much in; they are India for softies. In that, the meals are taken taken on board, and they are. Top-notch meals. When they're doing off-train meals, they tend to be in five-star hotels, and sometimes in maharajas' palaces. So you're not going to be getting poor quality food, should I say, on, on these trains. Um, so the, the 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 top one is the Mah- Maharaja Express, uh, which tends to focus on routes around Delhi, does Rajasthan various parts in northern India. Uh, Then the one I haven't been on is the Palace on Wheels, uh, uh, the Deccan Odyssey I traveled on. And on that one, it was an exploration of Maharashtra. So basically Mumbai's state, uh, which goes on for hundreds of kilometers inland. And it's just got some superb places which in my mind, are off the off the beaten track. Very well frequented with Indian visitors, but no international visitors to these places. Almost the back of beyond. Great. And then down in the south, they have the Golden Chariot uh, going around Karnataka and Tamil Nadu. Very different experience, southern India compared to northern India. Reflected in the foods, the service. It's just a very, very different experience, but again, a fabulous experience. Uh, and on that, on the Golden Chariot, particularly, you cross the Western Ghats. So, the chain of mountains going down the west coast of India has some engineering marvels when it comes to railways. At one point, there's I can't, the name of the waterfalls that begins with a D um uh, where in monsoon basically the train is running on the br- bridge by the waterfall but the volume of water is so much it covers covers the train uh when when i went it wasn't as wet so it was just just a fabulous spectacular waterfall um did um, have you ever had any feedback from kind of c61 customers on on india and if they've traveled on the Kind of on the luxury trains
1: I have a lot of seat 61 users using the schedule trains but uh, very little feedback on the luxury trains there's quite a bewildering array as you've just uh, just explained
0: yeah do you, do you think there's a do you think there's a demand um, for, for those trains if you feature them on the website
1: there certainly is I mean it's it's a different market the, the market for scheduled travel um, independently and the market for cruise trains. But um, there definitely is an increasing. It's the, same, it's the same as the ocean cruise market. It's it's big and it's growing, and people are looking for new experiences.
0: Yeah, and I think you could. Oh, the the Indian trains tend to run from October to April, which is the the best time to to go to India. You're avoiding monsoon or that build up of heat pre monsoon. Um, but I I could say you could do twenty of the different itineraries, and you'd still just be scraping the surface surface of India, uh, because obviously it's so vast, and so many different aspects. So they don't they can't go up to the hill stations, for example, because of the different gauge. Um, the, the I'm trying to recall on on the Darjeeling line. Do they have a but very very much in inverted commas luxury version of that train
1: no on the darjeeling line it's it's just one train a day with um, first and second class seats it's the shimla route uh calcutta shimla where there is the shivalik deluxe express which includes meals and armchairs as an alternative to the himalayan queen yeah ordinary yes. seats okay and that's quite something i remember coming down from shimla with them um, uh, it got dark and uh, there were flaming torches not not electric torches actual flames lighting up the stations as the locomotive got the token from the signal box that was quite a interesting experience
0: brilliant that yeah just the, ex- the experiences that you get traveling by train in india just uh, uh, they really are memorable um Tra- Travelling a little bit, <clears throat> excuse me, a little bit further south in the world, just down to Australia, as we said at the beginning, uh, Australia is an interesting one where th- basically scheduled trains have morphed into train cruises. Uh, and the, there's the two famous ones, there's the Garn and the Indian Pacific. Uh, have you travelled on them as a train cruise or as a regular train? Well
1: I travelled on them when they used to have economy seats and holiday class sleepers and the gold class sleepers but uh, in fact I have used both holiday class and gold but of course they are now all gold class with a new even more upmarket platinum class so they as you say they have become cruise trains they're still great trains to travel on and they started their life as scheduled services the Indian Pacific running Sydney Adelaide across the Nullarbor Plain to Perth, and the GAN running from Adelaide to Alice Springs in the red centre of Australia. They are both great trains.
0: I, when I travelled to Australia 30-something years, 1989 it was, um, Australia had an airstrike. So there were very few planes running in the country. And it went on for months and months. And you had the odd sight of seeing a Dan airplane on charter we were flying from Sydney to Melbourne because there were no Australian domestic flights running. They were having to charter things in. So I I did explore Australia by train. I did the Indian Pacific in both directions. One direction. Great experience. To do it in both directions, it's a bit, we'll say we smuggled smuggled on a couple of boxes of wine for the return journey. (laughs) <laughs> to entertain ourselves, this was like as I say, 1989. Uh, so it was a very different train train then. And also, also did the Garn. Uh, uh, actually, did it Southbound from Alice Springs down to Ad- Adelaide, which a great. That was a great experience. Um, the we one of our mutual Twitter contacts uh, went on the Indian Pacific two months ago was it he did his trip
1: yeah he crossed Australia in fact he started in Queensland headed down to Brisbane and then Sydney and then crossed Australia and back
0: and certainly from his tweets it, <laughs> it looked a tremendous trip uh,
1: yeah they're they're focused since it's become wholly a, a cruise train they're they're focusing a lot more on the some of the off-train experiences the off-train excursions
0: right um but, but intri- interestingly, on the guard, when I, when I look at the schedule, it doesn't seem to have an awful long time in Alice to get out to Ayers Rock. I don't know if that's just me misreading timetables. But...
1: Well, Ayers Rock isn't next to Alice Springs. No, Everyone no. thinks yeah. it is, and it's, it's hundreds of miles away. Mm. So uh, it's the sort of thing you want to do on a multi-day excursion from Alice Springs rather than a few hours while the train's stopping.
0: Right. Yeah, I seem to remember first first time I stayed out at Ayers Rock. Uh, <laughs> I always remember what I, I'm. I'm scared of snakes, or even the thought of snakes. And was, the accommodation was staying in tents, quite nice tents, but intense. And one of the things they did was a briefing, <laughs> and they had a diagram of all the different snakes. These were the deadly ones. <laughs> like, mm, great, <laughs> what have I let myself in for? <laughs> um, so, okay, move, moving continents again. Uh, perhaps if we do North America, uh, the Rocky Mountaineer is one that I haven't done.
1: Been- well, the Rocky Mountaineer is is the preeminent train through the Rockies. It's different from all the other cruise trains in that you stay in hotels. The train is purely sightseeing. Uh, during the day, so most they've got three different routes: Banff to Vancouver, Jasper to Vancouver, uh, and Vancouver to Jasper the long way round via Quenelle. Um, And they're all, or um, well, the two main ones, are two-day trips with one night in a hotel. Yeah, with uh, the gold-class domes and the silver-class single-level domes. Um, food is served on the train every carriage has got an attendant that gives you a running commentary uh, and it's it's a fabulous trip the one to take of the well of the three routes the one with the most history as well as the best scenery is uh, Banff um, to Vancouver the route that takes the original 1885 transcontinental canadian pacific railroad Um, the jasper to vancouver one takes the slightly newer canadian national route and it's the same route used by the scheduled toronto vancouver canadian yeah the one the route that surprised me is the third one uh, vancouver north via whistler and quennell to jasper yeah i think that one actually takes two nights um or um, but that's that's less about a transcontinental route and more about uh, rainforest and the gold rush um, that they had in those parts, and that's got some absolutely fantastic uh, scenery along the Fraser River.
0: And pre 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 pandemic, I I think didn't it operate south of the border they were starting a series of it going south of the border from vancouver they're
1: they're branching out they were going to operate a service between vancouver and seattle but of course scheduled scheduled trains run by amtrak link seattle and vancouver they were also going to try out a route between denver and salt lake city uh in wholly in the states um, over the same route that amtrak uses its, takes its California Zephyr, a uh, fabulous piece of line, but mm-hmm. you can do it on a scheduled train for a fraction of the, the the price.
0: So were they going to move the, some of the Canadian rolling stocks?
1: I don't know what equipment they plan to use, um, but I think it was a subset of their double-decker Dome, gold glass dome cars. Um, they're fabulous piece of pieces of equipment. You're, you sit on the raised level all glassed in with a wrap over glazed roof. Downstairs there's a restaurant where you take your meals uh, with uh, usually with a couple of different sittings uh, and at one end there is an open air observation um, deck. So that you can go and get some fresh air and take some photographs without all that uh, reflection. In fact, I was down on the open air observation deck on, I think it was it was a train approaching Jasper, can't remember which route it was, when we passed uh, a grizzly. Uh, the bear was eating the grain that had dropped from a passing freight train. The driver radioed all the attendants on board. So we were all alerted and we slowed right down. They could do this with a Canadian yeah. train. Um, and uh, of course, I went out onto the open deck. We passed within feet of this grizzly. Didn't wasn't interested in us. It was too busy eating the food. But what a fantabulous, fantabulous way to get a photograph of a bear almost face to face.
0: Fantastic. That So again, that's just one of those experiences you wouldn't get anywhere else other than off a train um uh, one, one, one thing that's always tempted me and always looks great is what they do in the usa for their own luxury trains so when they hook the private rail cars onto the back of the amtrak trains uh is that, is that something you've experienced? I've
1: seen private cars attached to the back of my scheduled Amtrak train, yes. There was some controversy about it a year or two ago about whether Amtrak was going to stop it or not. I can't recall which way it went. But oh, if you're really rich, and in fact, if, if, if you don't want to just join the hoi polloi with these executive jets, do you buy a private railway carriage, a historic stainless steel private carriage, perhaps with the open air platform at the back, and you just pay to have Amtrak take it around the States, attached to scheduled trains.
0: Why not? (laughs) Brilliant. You Can you just imagine arriving into DC or leaving DC, stood on your open air platform, kind of waving to the crowds there. Brilliant. (laughs) Um, I wonder what, what was the controversy, do you know?
1: Amtrak were proposing to stop allowing this to happen. I mean, you'd think it would be good money, uh, money for old rope, but it was something they were proposing to stop. Mm. So, so I can't recall whether it was stopped or whether it still goes on.
0: Right. Oh, that would be an awful shame. awful shame. There, there was um, a company started to sell these kind of the Pullman cars as a scheduled journey on the train that headed south from Chicago down to New Orleans. Uh, they were running with two or three Pullman cars on the back of the train, uh, offering uh, an enhanced experience. Um, I don't know how successful they were or if that will happen in the future, but I've, I've not done that route. Um, I've not done too much in the States, but is that one a particularly scenic route just kind of going south
1: the crescent from new york Mm. via atlanta to new orleans and the sunset limited new orleans to los angeles i don't think it's anything like as scenic as the um california zephyr from chicago denver salt lake city san francisco so i'd Mm. I'd stick with that one if you're planning a trip stateside when things improve um but the key attraction, of course, is stopping in New Orleans because that's not like any other American city. That's truly unique.
0: Yep. Yep. No, very true. No, it just struck me as a strange, strange route for them to to choose, kind of with the lack of scenery. But then again, I suppose you're on the train to enjoy the the opulence of the Pullman. Uh, so perhaps the scenery isn't too much of a. Drive. Driver, well, there's, there's
1: certainly some interesting bits approaching New Orleans. You, I'm going to get the name wrong here, you cross a massive causeway over Lake Ponchan train. Is it maybe I haven't pronounced that right? And I also remember leaving uh, New Orleans heading for Los Angeles over another massive bridge, the Huey P. Long Bridge, massive thing built of girders. Looks like it was built out of Meccano. And of okay. course, there's some good desert scenery further west, yeah, as you head across. Uh, um, Texas and uh, Arizona.
0: Um, so just, just, just to round up, head, we're heading down to South America. Uh, Peru and Ecuador are the two that really are known for their um, train cruises, scenic trains. Uh, in in Ecuador, Ecuador, there's the Tren Crucero, which runs from Guayaquil down on the coast up through to Quito. Uh, You don't sleep on the train, Uh, you have off train sleeping, uh, generally in haciendas, Uh, quite a, a boutique train in that maybe 40 passengers, 50 passengers, and you travel through all the different climatic regions of Ecuador. So from the tropical coastline through the cloud forests up onto the Alto Plano. Uh, There's one part where you go to, I can never remember, the valley of the volcanoes. You're just surrounded by active volcanoes and it's just stunning, absolutely stunning. And of course, as you're sat there looking at the volcanoes, you have llamas trotting along uh, by by the train as well. It's just, yeah, again, just a a great way to see Ecuador. Um, And then just finally in, in Peru, um that is an, another one I've been fortunate to travel on and I know you're I think on Peru you have some quite good information on C61 because that's I believe quite popular
1: yeah yeah certainly Machu Picchu by train of course the famous site of Peru but also the train to match uh, to um Lake Titicaca which I think you've uh, certainly been on
0: yeah yeah that uh tra- traveling by train across the Alto Plano it's just, you, the, the train stopped in the middle of nowhere. and There were some lo- local people with, uh, it, is, it is llamas they have there, isn't it? With, with the llamas, trotted up to the train, absolutely in the middle of nowhere, sky high, clear blue skies, s- s- mountainous scenery in the, di- mountains in the distance. Uh, and you just had, Superb dining on the train. Peru renowned for its food. So you can imagine how they do food on those trains. Just, again, spectacular, superb. Uh, so, yeah, so just, just in, in summary, Mark, um, luxury trains, the way to see the world.
1: They're a way to travel in comfort, but get close up and personal.
0: Exactly. You, you see it all at ground level. I think there's a good description of that. <laughs> so, Mark, as always, thank you very much for your time today. Uh, thank you to Tailor Made Rail for sponsoring this episode, and I look forward to catching up with you again next week. Until next time. Thanks a lot, Mark. Bye bye.